the land of the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali was once disgraced. But the future will bring honour to this region from the Mediterranean eastwards to the land on the other side of the Jordan and even to Galilee itself, where the foreigners live. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They lived in a land of shadows, but now light is shining on them. You have given them a great joy, Lord. You have made them happy. They rejoice in what you have done, as people rejoice when they harvest their corn or when they divide captured wealth. For you have broken the yoke that burdened them and the rod that beat their shoulders. You have defeated the nation that oppressed and exploited your people. Just as you defeated the army of Midian long ago. The boots of the invading army and all their blood-stained clothing will be destroyed by fire. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. And he will be our ruler. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And his royal power will continue to grow. And his kingdom will always be at peace. He will rule as King David's successor. Basing his power on right and justice from now until the end of time. The Lord Almighty is determined to do this. Amen. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> it's Christmas again. As you get older, Christmases come nearer to each other. <laughs> I'd like to share some memories and some thoughts about Christmas before we go into the Word of God. I had an amazing childhood and I loved Christmas so much. It was just full of excitement and magic. And in those days... Well, nowadays, there's a Santa, isn't there, on every street corner, everywhere you look, there's a Santa. But back in those days, there was only two. There was a Santa that came to the school, and that was then a really nice teacher who everybody loved. 
And he, he was the kind of teacher that made everyone feel special and clever. And he was called Mr. Warden. And we all knew it was him, but it didn't take away from the excitement of him being Santa. And then there was the real Santa, who went to Lewis's every year on the top floor. Well, my mum took me. And if you remember Lewis's, it was a very wide staircase going up and then turning and going up and it was like that all the way to the top floor. And you had to queue for hours. And every now and then you'd go up a few steps and then wait. And then go up a few steps and wait. And then you'd turn a corner and you'd think, oh, am I there? No, just more steps. Well, I was so excited. And the more higher I climbed, the more excited I got. When I finally got to the top, my excitement had turned into fear. And I, I was too frightened to go in to the grotto after waiting all that long time. So... My mum tried to persuade me and all the, the elves were try, trying to say, go on, go on. No way was I going into Santa. I was too frightened. So went all the way back down to the ground floor with no wrapped present from Santa. And on the ground floor, I don't know if there's any Mancunians here, but there was Uncle Holly. Now, Uncle Holly was a jolly man and he wore um, a green top hat and tail decorated with holly and green check trousers and he shook your hand and he had a little chat and he gave you a tin of chocolate fingers and an Uncle Holly badge. Well I ended up with a few of them and that was my compensation but it didn't it was disappointing I didn't get that wrapped present from Santa but I loved Christmas Everything about Christmas. The only thing I didn't like about Christmas was the carol services. I can remember there was the school one, the church one, the brownies one. And I can remember standing in the carol service with my book and thinking, these go on forever, these. And then I'd I'd get to one carol and it'd only be like two verses and I think, oh great, it's only two verses. And I'd turn the page, there'd be another six. And I think, oh, I can remember that feeling of interminable boredness of singing carols. And uh, I gave my children the great Christmases. We had all the presents and the tree and everything. And then quite a few years ago, I got a shop. And Christmas was the best time for the shop. Now, a lot of women, women, not men, women, like to do the Christmas shopping early. So I'd start Christmas in the shop, end of September. So by the time it was Christmas, I was sick of it, really sick of it. And then after Christmas, we had a sale, a Christmas sale. So that was another three weeks of Christmas getting rid of all the decorations of the trees and the gifts. And people bought everything half-priced for next year. And then, that wasn't enough, then I'd have to go to the trade fair in Birmingham and spend three days buying for Christmas next year. So by that time, I was really fed up with Christmas. And so my home became a Christmas-free zone. There was nothing Christmassy in my house. It was my escape from Christmas. So while I was going through all this, I started to think about the church Christmas. 
And the, the truth of Christmas is kind of shrouded in all these myths. And we get these pictures that I'm not saying you can, argue, you can disagree with me, but maybe they're not quite right, these pictures that we have, that we see. Well, the date for a start. It's, some people say that Jesus was born during the Feast of the Tabernacles, end of September, early October. But then there's others that say that Jesus was born in March or April because the shepherds only watched their flocks by night when, the, when it's the lambing season. Because those lambs in Bethlehem were the, the lambs for sacrifice at the temple. So they were special and so they had to be watched. And Jesus was born then, so the Lamb of God. So, but it probably wasn't 25th of December. Okay, doesn't matter, does it? In the Bible, we're not told to celebrate Christmas. It's not even a word, is it, in the Bible? (laughs) And then we get to the stable. Now, at the centre of the culture in the Middle East, it's hospitality. Then, as now, hospitality is the centre of their culture. Now, Bethlehem was the hometown of Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were going to their hometown, the city of David, They were direct descendants of David. They would have gone to family. The the inn is translated as the spare room or the guest room. Because it was a busy time, they wouldn't have been able to go in the guest room, but they would have gone into the home. And they would have been not among strangers. Mary would have had midwives and women around her when she gave birth, encouraging her and supporting her. They would have made room for Mary and Joseph. To put them in a stable would be an unimaginable insult. So that's the wrong picture, I think. And then we get to the shepherds. Now, we all have this picture, don't we, of the shepherds looking up into the sky and all the angels dressed in white with golden wings dancing around in the sky and singing. That's the picture you get on the cards and everywhere. But in Luke 2, 9, listen to this. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel... There appeared with the angel an army of the troops of heaven. So maybe they were stood with them on the ground. Just another picture, isn't it? And another thing I thought about, getting all all this off my chest now, because I've been thinking all these things for years. When I went to Bethlehem, we went to the house where Jesus was supposedly born, and there were different rooms that you go in. And it just occurred to me that it's very unlikely that Mary was in the same room with the shepherds. 
Because after you give birth, you have like a seven-day purification. And I'm sure that you don't, you're not, you're not in the presence, women are not in the presence of men at that, in that time. I might be wrong. I've Googled it, Googled it and Googled it. I can't find anyone to support me on this theory. <laughs> but I think they weren't there with, in the same room because of the purification rules. And then we get to the wise men. How many were they? Well, Eastern Orthodox Catholics say there were 12, and they've got a name for every one of them. <laughs> um, maybe there were two. Maybe there were five. All I do know is there was more than one. <laughs> and then they brought the gifts. Now, there's a cartoon going around, isn't there? The wiser women, have you seen it? The three wiser women. They bring a casserole and fresh diapers and some formula. It's just a silly joke, really, isn't it? Because those gifts would have financed them through their time in Egypt. That was God's provision. And they were expensive. There was a lot of money involved in those gifts. Then we get to the tree and the holly and the mistletoe and the ivy. All have the origins, as you probably know, in pre-Christian pagan festivals. And the worship of mother and child goes back to Babylon. We all know that. But hey, God made the trees and the holly and the mistletoe and the ivy and we'll use it, won't we? Then I get to my first Christmas. I'm going back now. I was 21 years old. Gary will remember this because he was there. We were out singing a carol. Carol singing on the street corner. We'd both just become Christians. So it was our first proper Christmas. And we sat, we got to this verse. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, yet in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. Wow. We'd never heard that before. Gary turned to me and he went, have they changed the words? Honestly, we thought the words had been changed by the church because we'd sang that so many times and we'd not seen... Of course they hadn't changed the words. It wasn't the words that had been changed. It was us. We could see now the truth of it. Wonderful. Unto us a child is born. A son is given. And that other great carol, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, Hail the incarnate deity, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, in the womb of a teenage girl, in a baby. Often in the Bible it says, Selah, can't pause and calmly think of that. In a baby, in a toddler. Running round, learning to walk, running round, falling over. In a child. In a 12-year-old boy. 
who, with his intelligence and understanding, caused the temple teachers to be astonished and overwhelmed with bewildered wonder. In a teenager, in a young man, on a cross, And the government, the government, shall be upon his shoulder. He will bear the burden of it. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer at the beginning. We've just had that general election of slogans and slogans and there's so many people disappointed and angry. In fact, it's a civil war on Facebook. But we can sigh with relief. Because the weight of the world's government is on him. Amen? To him, Isaiah 40, 15, to him, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, dust on the scales. He takes up the aisles like a very little thing. For God is king over all the earth. Jesus was born into Caesar's world. That was oppression, taxes. The rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. I'm strangling myself in my scarf. Everything's global now, isn't it? Transnational corporations rule the world with the spirit of the Antichrist hovering over everything. The elite, the banking families, kings and queens of the past, presidents, prime ministers, they all belong to God, ultimately. All the right honourables must honour God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful. There isn't a better word. Inspiring delight, pleasure or admiration. Extremely good, marvellous, amazing, astonishing, astounding, fantastic, incredible, miraculous, phenomenal, stupendous, wondrous, particularly excellent, divine, glorious, splendid, superb, terrific. There's no word to match it. I remember when I was a first a Christian, I was saying, oh, that's wonderful, this is wonderful. And somebody said to me, be careful what you call wonderful, because it's only him, only he is wonderful. Wonderful both God and man. A counsellor. A counsellor is a person trained to give guidance and personal or psychological problems. Sorry, I'll say that again. A person trained to give guidance on personal or psychological problems. Provide support for people going through emotional difficulties. It's called talking therapy. 
been studying it in my job as a carer. It's talking to a trained professional about your thoughts and your feelings and your behaviour, and it absolutely works wonders. Better than medication. There are all different types of therapy, but they all aim to give you a safe time and place to talk to someone who won't judge you. And I just want to look back at Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and of might. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. He sees into your heart with love and compassion. Now, it's been in the media a lot recently about the state of the mental health of young people. There's an epidemic. One in eight, five to 19-year-olds suffer from mental health problems. The average cost of a, an hour's counselling is £55. There's a shortage of counsellors and a long waiting list. And some of these young people have been on medication for years without any therapy. Therapy, I've been looking into this because my daughter's considering going in a retraining to be a counsellor and I have a couple of friends who have trained counsellors. It requires full focus and attention, which is why therapists usually only work at, at the most 30 hours a week. Well, you wouldn't want your therapist drifting off mid-session, would you? God never sleeps or slumbers. His ear is always open to cries of help. His ear is open to your prayers. God listens when you pray. God listens when you talk to him. Always. There's another kind of counsellor. The mediator represents the people. She says with tongue-in-cheek, provide a bridge between the community and the council. You can have a one-to-one meeting with your MP. They will be expected to respond. This is off Google. (laughs) They will be expected to respond to your queries and investigate your concerns. They work for you. There is one God and one mediator between God and us. The man Christ Jesus, the wonderful counsellor. Mighty God. Isaiah 66, verse 1. I love this. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. 
O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand has made. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Have you ever looked out of a plane window? I've noticed. I don't fly a lot, but people who do fly a lot, they don't even look. They'd rather sit on the end, stretch the legs on the other end. I've never got over what it looks like from a plane window. Seeing the the green patchwork quilt of England getting smaller and smaller and then going through the clouds and seeing the light through the clouds. Sometimes you see a rainbow and sometimes you see a sunset or a sunrise. I am looked through the window with my mouth open thinking, wow, what a mighty God. I remember one time in particular. I'd gone to Scotland on a holiday with my sister and my friend. And we'd gone to a place called Applecross, which is um, a remote peninsula on the West Arot in the Highlands. And in order to get to it, you have to drive up a mountain pass for about five miles. And it's like that. There's the car with the little car with three of us in it and all our luggage oh, it's going up this mountain pass. So when we finally got on, you know, on level, we couldn't wait to get out to have a look where we were. So we, we all got out of the car and we all went in different directions. And honestly, I can't describe it. I thought, oh, shall I go picture up? No. The mountains, the hills, the heather, the sea, the islands, everywhere you looked, it was just so awesome. And we just all walked off in different directions with our own thoughts. And when we came up together... It is, it is the world. We're still on planet Earth. We're so astounded by the beauty of it. Oh, God made that. Oh, God made that. Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the word. Thank you for that reading this morning. That was great. Perfect. From creation, the word was made flesh. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. That is why he is the mighty God. Everlasting Father. Now, Father to some can be a negative thing. Loving people, not everybody has an experience of a loving Father. Some Some men are so broken by the experiences of their lives that they don't know how to love the children. My own father was wonderful and I relied on him for everything. I relied on my dad too much. I should have been relying on God, but I relied on my dad too much. He was always there for me. All I had to do was pick up the phone. Whatever I wanted, I got from my dad. But then he got ill. He got old and he got ill. And he no longer could pick me up off the plane in the early hours of the morning or meet me at the train station when I'd lost my ticket. It happened twice. He couldn't help me anymore. But we have an everlasting father. We have an everlasting helper 
we have an everlasting comforter, an everlasting provider. We have everlasting love and compassion and grace and mercy and strength and wisdom and cleansing, everlasting. Not a well that dries up, permanent, everlasting Father. And that is Jesus. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So Jesus is called the everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. When the angel army came to the shepherds, they said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, to those on whom his favour rests. Goodwill toward those on whom his favour rests. Who's that? I'm looking at you. Can look at each other and say, that's you. That's you. Jesus said you will hear of wars and rumours of wars, nation against nation, famines, earthquakes. You will be persecuted and hated. Many will turn away from faith. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. An increase of wickedness. We have to stand firm to the end and the end is not yet. But Jesus Christ is the giver of peace. He's the prince of peace and the give, freely gives peace into our hearts and into our consciences throughout all the turmoil that we go through, throughout all the elections and the disappointments. Peace. And there is no end to the increase of his peace. Wars are ongoing. Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, the Yemen, Somalia, Nigeria, South Sudan, Ukraine, on and on. Apparently, of the past 3,400 years, humans have been entirely at peace for 268 of them, this is I'm telling you like you now, aren't you? This is the sort of thing you'd tell us, isn't it? <laughs> That's not a lot, is it? The combined armed forces of the world, there are 21.3 million people in the armed forces throughout the world. The prophet Isaiah wrote this down. Amidst ongoing battles, Israel was waging war with Judah and Syria was involved. Syria always seems to be involved. (laughs) Let me find it. This is the prophet Isaiah. Wonderful. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea 
So flesh-eating beasts will change their nature. No more hurting. No more destroying. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Psalm 46, verse 10. Let be and be still and know, know, recognize and understand that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We can rest in this. We can be still and know that he is our wonderful counsellor. He is our mighty God. He is our everlasting Father. And he is our Prince of Peace. Peace to you. Amen. Amen.